0: We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ancrum, Cole, El Elmecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an
1: hour or more of talk on education and culture. So that countdown went really quick (laughs) Uh, um, anyway, so it cut out. So we're back or we're just starting uh, episode 109 of the eight black hands. This is going to be a different type of night. First of all, it's Easter. So uh, um, God bless everybody who celebrated this weekend, the uh, the rising of Christ and who will probably go into this next week with a much better attitude. Hopefully, hopefully we've done some personal cleansing. But here we are. the black hands. um, You know, I said we were on 109. I think that's 109 shows straight, meaning. We don't take days off like we could or should. Um, um, uh, I don't know what Ray's doing. Ray got us looking at his chest. It was I just tech day. Just he tried out. to show us. Yes, sir. Okay, so, anyways, we started the show like, welcome to the gun show. All right. Um, well, brothers, listen, we got technical difficulties. We had a little schedule, scheduling difficulties with our guests, but I just want to st- start the show. Uh, the way that we always start out, which is checking in with each other, seeing where each other is at. Um, for people watching, Dr. Cole is attempting to log in. He had to log out to log back in. So he'll be joining us shortly. So why don't we start with you, Ray? How are you doing? How was your week and and uh, where are you at mentally?
0: Man, a uh, real big week for me, uh, making some headways in my dissertation. Um my proposal uh got approved by my dissertation chair. And so I just gotta defend my proposal. That's gonna be like early May. Then IRB uh is uh June. And so after I'm I'm uh certified to do IRB, I can go out in the field and collect data. And so hopefully I'll be done late summer. Uh and then I could talk shit about the academy like Charles. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, you can't you see you're messing up cuz you can't broadcast that ahead of time you can't tell them that's what you're going to do <laughs> you telegraph it like hey guess what <laughs> you, you know
0: you know me you know
1: it's coming <laughs> you know uh well will bless you on that that um that pursuit i have heard from so many people and having watched many people do that uh that process that it is crazy making um so y- when you come out the other side you feel like you really did something feel like you've been been through a fight, you know. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and I'm I'm not going to try it. So y'all do it and then uh tell me how it went. <laughs> I'll cheer y'all on from the side. Go for it, bro. Um Sharif, how you doing, brother? How was your week? Where are you mentally? Yeah, doing all right. Doing all right. It was um it's just been busy,
2: man, trying to trying to get things done, trying to get ready for this uh teacher apprenticeship this summer it has been, you know, uh, fun. We got our step back this week, you know, kind of look at like what we did well, what we need to grow from, all those kind of things. Um, you know, happy holidays to to everyone uh celebrating and congrats to Ray for that next step in that journey. Um, IRB. Yeah. Yeah. But overall so, things IRB. good. The bees look good. Took the kids to a petting <laughs> oh, farm had a baby goat. That joint was so tiny I could wrap it up in like one of those breads, the roll breads. <laughs> could have wrapped that joint up like just had a sandwich but it was all good.
1: It was a good wait, one. wait, wait. You mean like an actual live goat was born? Yeah, yeah, a little baby. A yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know you had goats. Sorry. No, no,
2: I don't know. We went to a petting zoo.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was about yeah. to say, this is a new one on me. I know about chickens and eggs and uh, and insects, but, but goats is a new one. Yeah, man, we got uh, a whole Dr. Doolittle joint, man. The
2: girl's got guinea pigs and a rabbit and uh, not a canary, parakeet. You I know, mean, it's just the works, bro. Mm. It's the works.
0: Well, uh, glad to hear it. Glad Good to see
2: you again, again right? Yeah. Oh.
0: Uh, hey, hey, Streamyard, acting up, man! Hey, Streamyard, if you are out there, you listening to us? <laughs> hey, be live, be live! you are about to get in be live's comments if y'all keep kicking us off and not allowing us to come on and whatnot. We, we can, we can leave Streamyard. We pay for this we
1: can but you can't threaten them with be live
0: bro <laughs> that's
1: like you know telling your McMansion mansion property manager i'll go get a, 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 a townhouse <laughs> you know like it's not a real lever it's no it's not not a threat <laughs> it's not a real threat what what, what what should we be looking at man what's the threat you know, you know, probably uh, restream would be their, their oh, closest threat. So, expensive. well, listen, um, let's jump in. I know we're going to have Charles come in. We got all kinds of difficulties going on right now. Uh, technologically, Charles is trying to get back in. I think the Chicago Internet is acting up right now uh, where he's at. But let's just that, let, let that's union orchestrated. Yeah, see, you, you, you're going to start that show again. Here he come. Here he come. What's up, bro? oh man just you know just this internet that i pay too much for is
3: acting stupid i'm streaming off my phone bro i'm i'm well it looks good sounds good
1: wow yeah. oh, you're using your phone as a hotspot. okay so your mm-hmm. phone's gonna blow up okay all yep. right Fire fires bro probably um well listen we were uh we just went around and, and checked in with people to see like how was your week how are you doing mentally so i guess now that we have you here how was your week uh, how are you doing mentally
3: Man, just keeping to myself, working, uh working on 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 me and my stuff and just getting my work done. Uh today I spent a lot of time in my yard. Uh happy Easter, happy resurrection day for folks. Yeah, cool. here. I believe that, brother. Um, to the to the death. And thank you for his grace, man. Cause we don't none of us deserve it, but we all get it. So um and just been writing like crazy, bro And that's it. I throw a lot of shit away, but I, I I've been writing, but it's good. What are you writing? Uh, multiple things. There's a report that we finishing up and then just working on the next book.
1: Hey, you know, I love how y'all talk. Like, you know, uh, you know, uh, just you know, I'm just working on my next book. You know, I'm just getting my next book done. And, uh, oh, me right, by myself, bro. You, you, you know, got an editor, brother? No. I'm, I'm,
3: just me. I got a
1: myself. I got to do for self. Do no editor. What you talking about, editor? Anybody reading your book Don't right have now. an editor.
3: Your book is coming,
1: brother. Bro, who reads me? Who thinks I got an editor?
3: <laughs> Nobody.
1: But <Hey, man. laughs> well, like,
3: you said, like I said, man, we got to do for self. So my next for self book is coming soon.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll work on mine, but I'm like a challenger to autocorrect. I think I'm the inspiration for autocorrect. <laughs> like I think they beta they beta test it with me. Um, well listen, we were we wanted to go around the horn like we always do, make sure that we're good. Make and, and you know, it sounds like from week to week we are making it and surviving. I worry that beneath the skin there's a little bit of a simmering of fatigue and uh and um you know. Just I don't know any better word than, than fatigue simmering beneath the surface. And uh, some of us are probably getting to the, the end of our rope with working in a field where we constantly feel like we have to be arguing about things that just aren't arguable. You know, uh, things that will free our children and um, set our kids free you know, improve the black mind by taking it and rescuing it from a school system that doesn't love it. But we wanted to talk about tonight. First of all, for folks to know, we had a guest lined up tonight to talk about um, a do a do for self mentality in education. Self-sufficient, do for self, self self-determined black education. Um, Two things happened that uh, that I, I want to mention that kind of got me on this frame one the guest who were, will probably have to reschedule uh was in in the news for being a young person who was starting a school to to give real world skills to uh young people in his community who thought he thought should be getting jobs but weren't that's one thing since then like within the last week i saw dr steve perry um actually put out a tweet that said Before you talk to me about charter schools or your hatred for charter schools, first realize that I'm a black social worker who started a school with other black men and other black staff who wanted to do something for our kids that wasn't being done. So start by understanding that first. And one of the very next comments after that was from a white teacher in the regular school system who said, well, does your school have an uh, elected board? And are you uh, uh, responsible to the community? And just, you know, do you have to take any kids? Do you have, you know, special, just all the questions that you would expect from the education establishment after this man just said, understand that I am a black social worker who wanted to give back in my community and worked with other black people to create new opportunities for black people. And that was the response. So I want to start tonight's show with that as the frame of, um, um, Two two frames for tonight. Uh, one on black owned education practices, services, schools, you know, to what extent can we own our own? And the second one is around the skills building. Are we really actually arming our young people with the skills through our schools to do more than go to college or get in college. Like, can they fix anything? Can they do anything in the economy? Can they live? Will they have something to survive uh, within the real economy just by going through 12 years of school? So why don't we start with the first one around black owned education and services? Um, um, And just like the question around, Um, how realistic is it for us to achieve black owned education? We talk about it all the time, but I just really want to know, do you think that it's realistic for us to get close to that? Or should we really be focusing more on fixing the system that the majority of our kids are going to be in, which is the the existing current old system? I'm going to start with you, Charles, because I can almost say what you're going to say, I think. Which is, <laughs> you which, is, which is no you're gonna say some version of we could chew gum and walk at the same time
3: we can but i mean i think that listen again <laughs> i'm all for listen we absolutely can do black education we absolutely can do black owned education you, you ain't even got to call it a school you can call it something else I, I, again the thing that was most impactful in my life um was like the Boys and Girls Club. That's where I actually got a lot of stuff or mentors and places like that. So I think that we got to get out of this this regulated kind of field and make sure that our kids are getting educated. And so whether that's private schools, you know, traditional schools or charter schools, right? Um, I think you have to, We can do it because there's evidence of it being done when we had no money. There's evidence of it being done right after slavery, when all you had was a little bit of dignity left and people did it. Like it's not whether if it can be done, it has been done. It is documented. And this is why us knowing our history is really important. I'm also okay with some people working to like fix that system. I was I was part of helping trying to fix that system and giving people what they need. Um, But I think it turns into gang warfare and it becomes, oh, I bang this. I bang traditional Mm -hmm. schools. I bang charter. I bang private. And it's like, that's just that sounds dumb to me. It sounds as dumb as it just did just then. Right. It's like systems are supposed to serve people. And if it's not, if you're not putting those people first. So my answer would be absolutely. However you want to make change, do what you need to do. My only request is get out of people's way when they find something else uh, that's serving their needs. And and I think that there's a lot of people that keep saying we're in the same boat, we're in this boat together, we're in this boat together. And it's like, everybody is not in the same boat, man. <laughs> there are some people <laughs> that, there are some black folks that live in places that got options and choices. And there are some people that live in places where they still only got that one school that they got to go to. And, you know, I would never like try to abandon those people. So that's why I focus. I try to just keep focusing on what does self-determination look like? What does it look like to go out and get other services on top of the st- state-mandated school system that you have to attend or you will go to jail if you don't. Um, that same system that don't teach you about taxes, that don't teach you how to feed yourself, that don't teach you how to take care of yourself, where they take out P.E. You can't even push kids athletically no more. You body shaming or whatever the case is, right? <laughs> That's the place you have to send your child every day day. let your ass go to jail.
1: So That was old school as hell.
3: Take on this beautiful
1: Eastwood <laughs> Bruh, you know, you have mentioned private schools a few times recently. Do you have some emerging vision for a new system of private schools. Is that do, the, is man. it top of mind for you? Yeah. I do.
3: I've actually been hit up by a few folks. I've been hit up by some folks in Texas and somewhere else just talking about if we built this private school like Give us your input on what it should look like, what services it should have, what it should do. And we just started those talks. And I definitely was say, saying you need to get you some educators on this. But from my level of expertise, this is what I think should be there. I think there should be mm-hmm. something around money management and taxes. There should be something around uh, manhood and, and, and womanhood classes. Uh, and I was actually more focused on like black boy private schools or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think the school is actually going to be. They're looking at it to be split of a boy side and a and a and a girl side Um, because studies show that boys learn better when it's just an all boys classroom. Right. So I actually do have a vision around that. I think that if our black elite, our black millionaires, billionaires and then and then us regular folks, too, if we chip in and build out these satellites and these systems where the. We are we have the onus over them and you don't have to worry about five year renewal. You don't have to worry about the, the, you know, arguing with union folks or whatever the case is. It's really just your thing. I think that that's the way to go. And we've Mm. done it. We've done it. Every generation that you know of black people since slavery ended, like black folks have always pulled together their money. Or I know a bunch of families that don't make a lot of money gross, but will put whatever they got together to put Sally through school. So mm.
1: um, and some of so you it's doable.
3: so it's it's absolutely doable.
1: Yeah. Sharif, you know, riffing on that just a little bit. Uh, You and I have talked about um, there's a book that people may or may not know. It's called We Are an African People. And in that book, it talks about um, the hundreds of independent black schools that started in 1970s, many of which it was a movement. So it was a movement of independent black schools, many of which stayed online well into the new millennium. But um, just they you know, they didn't last. They weren't built to last in one way, which is money matters not everybody can afford private schools yeah so funding and foundations uh the the foundation of education is money so uh if that is shaky they don't so you know in some ways it feels like our best days are behind us do you think that there would be a way to redo um that movement and have it be successful this time around yeah no absolutely i i think you know that
2: blueprint as and as uh dr cole said we didn't you know We had less and we were doing, you know, we were doing it. You saw the resurgence in the 60s and 70s. I think it's like kind of when people are angry enough, right? Like just Hmm. fed up enough, like desperate enough. I think that's when, you know, that's when those kind of uh, beautiful things sometimes happen um, out of negative situations. So. Uh, that, you know, I, I think, you know, when you talk about like the amount of schools and it's interesting you brought that book up again because, you know, that's the book that our junior servant leaders, the high school students who are participating in our teacher apprenticeship, that's the book that they'll be reading. That's the book that they will wow. ground their they're working uh, for the next, you know, uh, you know, six months or so diving into that, reading it, understanding, oh, this is what they were doing. Here's the black mm-hmm. blueprint for doing all of this. Um, and I think, you know, coupled with that. So I I, I do think it's like a three prong strategy It's like building our own schools. I think it's kind of, you know, bum rushing the show and fixing what exists and um, whatever context that is in, in the public realm. Uh, and then I think it's also like just owning out of school time, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, all the the coaching mentoring, wherever you can kind of fit in, wherever you can kind of support children as well as those who are teaching them. Right. Like, because Mm -hmm. I I think we can train our own teachers, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, our whole point of this teacher apprenticeship is like building our own, teaching our own, showing them, here's what you will not learn in, uh, In a teacher college here, you're not Mm going to learn about the black psychologists, the black edu theorists, the black behavior theorists, the black psychologists. That's what we're we're like. Hey, this is what they say about the black child, about the black Mm -hmm. uh, child's brain and the communities that love them and send them to us. So I think, you know, the out of school time, the traditional public charter, whatever that is, that traditional system, as well as, uh, you know, a private system. And And I told you before, you know, Reverend Marshall Mitchell. A decade ago I was like oh, Meki, what's up? We should build a school. I'm like, back then I was like, no man, we gotta we gotta get this straight. We gotta fix it from here to mm. now. Just like you know what that was. He was kind of. I was about to say, you bet you think it's different now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. Like, Yo,
1: Rev Marshall Mitchell, hit me yeah. up. You know that kind of thing now. So, well, now that we get that all out of the way, this is aspirational. This is why I, want, I saved you for last, Ray. This is why I want to come to you because that that's all aspirational. You could build new schools. Um, you can build Black-owned things, but you have raised the flag before just about quality, period. And and you have said before, like, you know, it's, it's great for a lot of new people to do these new things, but if they're not going to be quality, like, you know. So would you have any fear that if we had some big movement, some outbreak, and all of a sudden all these schools were opening up and they were private, they were, you know, they had different rules. They were all private and, and charter and different kinds. Would you still be worried
0: about the
1: quality, of what that,
0: that education was going to be. I mean, yeah, bro. I mean, for, but I want to touch on a couple of things though. Don't just put pigeonhole me, bro.
1: I'm not pigeonholing you, but Pigeon you have raised this Pigeon question, hope. you have seen you have, know, you have seen some schools open where yeah. you have been like privately like I'm
0: going to watch. I'm just going to watch and see and see if it's going to be quality or not, you know. Yeah. So so here's here's what I'm going to say. First and foremost, here's my pitch, right? So we you got the center of black educator development, right? I think that with all the work that you're doing, the phenomenal work that you're doing, we should have a seed school that's based off of that to where we're training teachers through the Center of Black Education Development. That's my pitch to you. We could talk offline. Uh, Chris. Um, One of my people, bro. No doubt, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, actually, <laughs> actually, I'm not going to have really them call no people. You. Just call me. I got <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to have them call you. I'm going to have them call Kelly Seton. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. That's smart. That's smart. <laughs> but uh, Chris, to answer your question, man, um, I do, I am concerned about quality uh, a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Because like we've seen some, we've seen these feel-good stories. And then once we peel the layers in terms of like what's going on in these schools, uh, we still got kids that are getting to 12th grade and not being able to read. And so uh, quality and having having a measure. So like when the, when the, I don't want to say the other side because I don't really give a shit about size and I'm not on any side. I'm on what's good for kids side, right? But when you hear folks that are like pro-union and they have these conversations about charter school accountability, right? First of all, charter school accountability and traditional public school accountability are not the same. Let's be clear. Mm -hmm. in terms of that, right? And here's why they're not. Because if my school, the Riverhead Charter School, underperforms our district school for three consecutive years, then we're going to lose our charter, right? And all of those, the students that we have are going to end up going back into the traditional public school system because it's like, all right, well, if you're a charter school, then you're supposed to outperform the district. And if you're not outperforming the district, then what's the sense of even having you as a charter school, right? And I think a lot of people just don't really understand that. Secondly, money follows the child. Right. So like the parents should have the opportunity to put their kids wherever they want to put their kids. I always say parents are the experts of their kids. So like if we find these private school systems and and they pitch it, they pitch what they're going to do to parents and then parents buy in and they're like, you know what? That doesn't sound like a bad idea in order for me to put my kid into this school as a solution for what's not working. Let's try this to find out what's going to work. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the accountability piece lies on the parents. So what we need to do is we need to ins- arm the parents with the, uh, the wherewithal to be able to challenge the system to know if their kid is learning the way that their kid needs to be learning. You could kind of do that by having these normal, you can have normalized standardized tests. I know people hate that too, mm-hmm. but, In order to keep the system honest, and this is what standardized testing does, standardized testing keeps us honest. So if you have uh, these private schools that are being developed, these black owned private schools that are being developed and you have a nationally alarmed way of testing uh, kids to make sure that they're um, they're competing with their white, Asian and Latino peers or whatever. I'm for it, bro. Yeah, I mean, so
1: much in what you just said right now, though, leads me to one conclusion, which is you can't have any of this. uh, And you kind of just made this point. You can't have any of this unless you start with making sure that families have direct control over the per pupil allotment of their children. So as much as we argue about school choice and vouchers and everything else. And then a lot of folks in the movement, you know, put that aside. Oh no, we can, you know, listen, I'm not for any type of, you know, whatever. And I don't think choice is everything, but I think it's something, whatever. No. You can't have full empowerment of black people in education until you give every family direct control over the allotment that is is set aside for their kids. And one of the reasons that I say it's it's, you can't get past it is for new markets to set up for these new private schools to come online. For the first ones to be able to do it, they need kids that come with their per pupil allotment. They can't have kids showing up, having been equity stripped from the system. Oh, we're going to give you the kid, but we're not going to give you the money that comes with the kid. That don't make any sense whatsoever. And, you know, in places like Minneapolis, it's even more gross than that. The city of Minneapolis, the, the Minneapolis public schools is allowed to levy money on every child in Minneapolis, whether they're in the schools or not. -hmm. So, they get money. They raise the levy on every child, but they keep it. The charter school kids don't get that money. The private school kids don't get that money or whatnot, even though it's being raised on their headcount. Right. So, we got to start thinking through the math of empowering people. If we want private schools, that's why y'all got all that money. That's why what? That's why y'all got all that money. I mean the district has has uh uh as much money as baseball, but they they get like, you know, they get uh, Timberwolves type of outcomes. So they they need to like they need to like be rethinking like this money situation.
0: you call you call the superintendent of Minneapolis Public Schools uh uh Rubio.
1: No, no, he's not that good. Nah, no, no, ah. superintendent's not that good. No, no, nah, he's not even that good. <laughs> no, I didn't call him that. <laughs> right. You know, uh uh, I called him Pistol Pete in his current situation, <laughs> not in his not in his best days. Wow. But, anyways, I just wanted to throw that in there. Like anything that we're talking about right now requires money. If we want black schools, it costs money to build them, it costs money uh to educate the kids in them. So um uh Charles, I don't know if you you heard what I was asking Ray too a little bit about this is if he would have any concerns about quality. Like we say I, that, you know, like, you know, I'm more of a person who would be like saying, let's let a thousand flowers bloom. Let us try some things. Yeah. Let us start some schools. But five minutes after you open, somebody's going to be showing up saying, Well, see y'all can't keep, teach anybody any better than anybody else. Year one, they would do that.
3: You know what it's like? It's like, it's like,
1: like let black people, like directors make bad movies too.
3: You know what I mean? Like everybody <laughs> has had a bad movies, but the black yeah. movie gotta be the greatest or we gonna boycott or whatever, right? So I think, uh, I'm sure Ray answered this really well. Like the de- you definitely should be concerned about quality. I think it also takes time to get things right. And I think that, But even the thing that I'm talking, I I, want to be even more radical than that, man. I'm thinking of like there are closed door conversations that black men need to be having with black students in addition to uh, reading, writing and arithmetic. And I think that like it's time for that to happen. I was watching this kid online. Uh, He's not a kid anymore. He's one of the first cats that really killed it. his name is uh, Kane Carter, but he goes by Hot Damn Damn, uh, I Rock. And he got this video today that he did called Girls, Girls, Girls. And um, it's just, it's, su- it's such a good video. I didn't share it publicly because you have to be from a certain environment raised in that. And like now working with like, you know, young folks to kind of for it to really resonate. You know, how y'all know how I feel about closed door black conversations. We had a whole show about it. Y'all know where I stand on it. Um, so I think school needs to be looking a lot of different ways. So I think quality is something we should always be worried about. And for those people that feel a way about testing, I'm not married to that. Right. Like, but make something else in loop. Like, you can't just keep saying this is racist, this is bad, and not replacing it, right? Like, that's 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 kind of Obama's comeback for around, uh, the you know, around Obamacare, right? It's like, look, it ain't perfect. If you don't like it, though, make something else. Oh, y'all had 10 years, y'all 12 years, nothing happened? Oh, ah, yeah, I don't know what to say about that, right? So, yeah, I, I, I agree. Quality is always paramount, but we should be trying different things with our kids because our kids have different needs that they require, man. They got mm-hmm. a lot of different needs. Like there are conversations that you will never get in one of these integrated schools that some of these people caping in for. Um, if you grew up in a jungle with jungle rules, you feel me? And I call it the concrete jungle or whatever, because I know people like to twist our words. And now you get into a place where you're successful. Those rules are very different. What you needed mm-hmm. to survive in that one environment is very, very different. And I go through that as an adult. You know what I'm saying, so I know I got young people where the rules have just switched on them from inside their neighborhood to now. this like kind of global social media community. Um, you they need somebody to talk to them, and that's that's what we lacking, man. Like we try to do all this other highfalutin stuff. We got to just even if we can do the basics right. Oh my God, you know how revolutionary that'll be.
0: Let me ask you a question, everybody. Wait, wait, wait! Before you ask, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Ray. Can y'all do a show? Y'all did a show. Uh, I think it was you and Sharif. And y'all broke down. Y'all went to a standardized test, and y'all went through like certain questions or whatever on on the test. And when y'all were like, "How's this racist? Is this ra- was it a tweet or what? Which one was it? Was it a?" Th-
1: no, I did that. So I I did both because as a person who's a layperson, I'm you know I'm always hearing how racist the t- the tests are and you know whatever. So our state, like most states, gives you a sample. So you can go and sample it. Right. So my best advice to parents is like, don't listen to me or somebody who's arguing about what tests do or don't do. Go look at a sample and ask yourself whether or not you think that should be something your kids should be able to do. Should they be able to answer those questions? And it changed my mind when I went and looked at it. I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if my kid can't do this, like we got a problem, right? Like, like that, that's that's how I walk away feeling. Like, you know, like I spell unemployment for them in the future if they can't do this. You know, wasn't wasn't I was expecting some, you know, questions of you know, about slaves and shit. You know, I don't know what you put it but I got there and I was like, oh no, no, this is this is doable. The question I was gonna ask y'all though is we say all this stuff about it, it can be done, we can start new new schools, we could blah, blah blah, but it's been 25 years at the charter school market has been open, uh, open for people, educators, uh, parents, community members, anybody to start a school pretty much. Um, um, and in 25 years, it's like 6% of students are, are in charter schools now with a hell of a lot of effort uh, just to get that 6%. Now of that 6%, the majority are black and brown kids, black and brown families. Mm-hmm. But uh, a market was created. Why so few schools?
0: bro, I mean, even even though the market was created, it's still not a market that's favorable to black and brown uh, founders and school leaders, right? And so you know, you'll have instances in which you'll get folks that will come in and they'll be good enough to lead the school but not necessarily put in a position to be the CMO of a school or uh, develop a CMO that then is the underbelly of other schools, right? Mm-hmm. And so we still got some work to do, man. So uh, you know, I know Naomi, Shout out to Naomi, but uh, you know they're doing a lot of work with um, single-site charter schools or whatever because that's the majority of, of of black school leaders. But it makes it very difficult to uh, to replicate. I think you know I remember seeing um, a session. I think the National Alliance did a session on just like replication or whatever. But man, it's tough because there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of obstacles that are put in your way, and if you don't have a favorable uh, uh, A charter uh, charter overseer uh, like we have, like the New York uh, Board of Regents and my man, David Frank, who I plug every opportunity that I get because he allows us the flexibility to do the things that we need to do in terms of if we want to expand. If we want to do enrollment increases, if we want to uh, go to another uh, part of Long Island and open a school there, uh, that's rare in terms of uh, charter authorizers uh, to be able to allow the folks that are under their umbrella to have that type of flexibility. But I feel like we've worked and have a working relationship with, with our authorizer to be able to do so, but not ev- that's not afforded to uh, every charter school in in every region that has charter school. Could you be flexible
1: about some of the rules on charters? Uh, let me give you, for instance, like that's a kind of, so there's a, there's a high school for recording arts here in the twin cities actually was started by some folks out the rap game years ago. And, uh, they specifically opened that school cause they wanted to go find kids that had been out of school, dropped out for at least two or three years or more. And they started a studio a records, a recording studio with a big ass school in it. <laughs> and, uh, and the average freshman age is 19. I think that's the, the 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 freshman age of of the school. Um, so when people look at them on paper, though, they often are like, well, this is a failing school, except for there's people all over the world coming to visit them to see how they're doing what they're doing, because they're educating kids that have been uh, put far behind by the mainline system. Would you fight for schools that have different. I don't know how to put it. If we're going to serve a special community, we might need some special rules. Would you guys be okay with it not, them not being measured the same way that we want to measure straight up government schools? And hopefully that's East Coast rap that they're you know. <laughs> Bro, there's no such thing as East Coast rap. We're not going to do this tonight. We're just not going <laughs> to do this tonight. Like all, everybody knows that East Coast started something that they couldn't finish. Like they just, like they needed the West Coast to slow that shit down that y'all was doing out there. We just lost yeah. everybody we had in the country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, y'all, y'all was too fast <laughs> no, out feel, there. They feel they're like, like we what are you you talking know, about you know uh, blah, 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 blah. No, you need I, somebody to slow that up. down what bro you, but go ahead
0: you drink? you drinking tea I, or you drinking saint odds Talking <laughs> to talk Sharif, He's he can't like be him. talking to me. Talk about some little <laughs> saint eyes. I have, a, I, have a, I
3: have a decanter on my uh, on my <laughs> wine bottle. I thought
1: you had a straw on it. Uh, straw wine bottle.
3: That's for the air, highfalutin That's <laughs> but, but I mean, I want to. I'll get my answer out the way so the two school leaders can can jump in there. I again. I think we limit in our thought process by when we say schools. and 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 what I'm saying is, partner with a community organization, partner with a church and and start teaching skills that are germane to your region or to people. Right. So like King, King Randall is teaching young folks how to get money and, 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 and change oil while also teaching them how to shoot guns and, 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 and teaching them how to rewrite and all that stuff together. I think that that's super dope. I, I think, and I think that there are other schools and entities that can look similar or that can look different. And, you know, there are some, like if, if Sharif started a club, and, and invited black boys and girls who wanted to learn about chickens and, and, and roosters and like making, you know, so, you know, the Black Panther principles and stuff like that. Do it outside of a school system where you can do whatever you want. Like, I think supplemental programs might be the answer in some regions that don't have the political clout or, or money to be able to get these other things started. So I'll leave it to mm. Ray and Sharif to talk more about the school apparatus. But people that's listening right now, everybody listening right here has enough power right now to start a group with young people. Like I want to have a closed door conversational series with young black boys that talks about shit that's still not necessarily safe to talk about in any of these school systems. None of them. You know what I mean? Like if you've seen certain shit, you're not about to talk to those adults that that's mandated reporters. You're not about to talk to those people that have to like, you know, have certain type of reactions. And I think that we need that. Again, I'm really stuck on this thing. I keep hearing for the last three weeks, I keep hearing people talk about fixing the toxic water, fixing the toxic water. But they scared of the fucking fish. And mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I'm not okay with the, that type of rhetoric that's going to leave certain type of people behind because I get left behind in that stuff. I i am the type that grew up in a certain type of environment and community. Ray grew up in a certain type of environment and community. I can't speak as much to Chris and Sharif's pieces, you know what I'm saying? But there are conversations that people like Ray and myself need to have that is not safe to have in anybody's fucking school, but it's germane to our mental health and survival as we are t- continuing to progress into adulthood, where are those programs that that's going to help those kids that seen people get shot in front of them? You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I think you can do both. I think that as long as we try to play with these systems though, you got to play by their rules and we know that they're going to, ch- they're going to move the goalposts every single time. So fuck them and just do, do our own thing. And I'm, I, I'm starting a group and, and, it, and we're going to do what we do.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, like, I've been thinking about this and writing this for a while around out of school time. And part of it is that I just remember in the 1970s when I was growing up, how much of that there was. Um, and I think there was a real idea that what the schools were were doing had always been failing us on the cultural front, that they weren't creating a culture of learning. And there were things like, you know, um, like, like reading programs and upward bound and urban league things that just like were everywhere. Like you you couldn't throw a rock in any direction, not hit somebody giving you a pamphlet to come to something. And it was always something out of school time in some ways, shape or form. Um, and I just feel like a lot of that dried up. (laughs) just a lot of that that richness that we had in communities when communities were going to live together for their whole lives this is the different we have way more transient communities than we ever had we we had for a long period of time that people knew they belonged together and we're going to be living together and stay together and at some point some of that changed um um so you were going to kick it to the school leaders so let's so so uh, you know, let's kick some of this to the school leaders. I, we I, hum- kids. I humbly kick it to them because they yeah. they, got, they got a tough job. That's right. Yes, they do. And and, and uh, we want uh, to hear. I'll
2: go, you know, you're as a retired waiting. person in uh, Ancrum sitting, you know, heavy where the heavy <laughs> is the head. Right. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think a couple things when we talk about like schools and you describe the school that's res- being responsive to their communities. I think those are absolutely crucial. I think that's probably could, where it could start the most. Like, you know, if you look at, at places like, you know, and, and the Shot Foundation pushes it out all the time. I don't know how like how in depth or how often they do, but, you know, uh, black boys finishing school or finishing <laughs> in four <laughs> years with their, you know, when they enter ninth grade, how many of them, you know, uh, you know, finish or the, the study they did in Philly where... <laughs> You know, 87 percent of black boys don't get anything beyond their high school degree, like no post-secondary, anything. Eighty seven out of 100. Right. Like and over and over again, there are groups that needs to, you know, be. That needs to be reconciled. Right. Like that. So I, I would actually start schools with, you know, because I, I think a lot of times what people will want to do is like, oh, let me start a school for the kids that are above grade level. Right. Like, you know, like that's that's going to be people's initial response. Well, my thing is like, where's the need the greatest need the greatest is where, you know, who's being pushed out of school, who mm-hmm. who is feeling like hopeless in school, who's feeling like, you know what, the things that I'm passionate about, things I want to do. Are not there's nowhere there's nothing within these walls, right? And you know, for me, Um, I don't see myself. I don't see my aspirations, my aspirations being grounded to the dust. I would challenge us to start there. It's kind of like same challenge I would give to folks that they're like, I want to start a charter. Like, you know, consider. You know, and, and everywhere has a different context. So it's hard to talk mm-hmm. nationally when it's such a localized issue. But, you know, consider turnaround schools. Where are those schools that you knew as a kid they were jacked up and now that you're an adult? sending your own kids, you're like, not that one, right? Like think of, <laughs> think about that and yeah. what, what, is, what could turnaround look like? But again, you know, we, we've all brought up this out of school time uh, thing, man. I'm, I just like, I think it's so important, so crucial, all the different things. And we've spoken before about, education and learning doesn't have to uh, go with other people's definition of it. Right. Like. And so, yeah, you got to be be literate. Like, right. We can we can agree on that. And then how do you apply that literacy to a variety of other things? Right. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're seeing courts say you are not entitled in our schools. You are not entitled to an education. You are not entitled to be able to read well. Like this, these are, are courts, mm-hmm. judges. Who are, who are sitting there saying stuff like that and for us not to be like absolutely not only enraged but just like uh-uh we are we're definitely we're accountable you don't want to be accountable then we're accountable as a community so I don't I don't see how we have a choice even though as in you know as you said it's been a while there have been different you know ebbs and flows. But look, I remember practicing reading on uh, Dr. Suzette's uh, indoor porch, you know, with a bunch mm. of other four year olds and right on 63rd Street in West Philly. Like like right off 63rd and Lansdowne, like folk, little black kids are coming to our indoor porch, practicing reading um, that like we need that times a thousand. Right. Mm. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Man, so really great question. Really good conversation that's happening right now. If you're listening to this conversation, please share it, like it, do whatever you got to do to kind of get the word out there. Uh, you know, like Chris said earlier, it's Easter. We're here. Kicking it. It's the head. Right, so uh, so for me, a couple things, right? So like fundamentally, I'm thinking that Head Start. I think Head Start was uh was like the foundation for me, and so uh, there a couple yeah, things. Shout out to Head Start. That's right. Yeah. That's right, <laughs> like the fundamentals that I learned in Head Start. So you know, if if I could, uh, if I could root for anything to happen in in, in the inner city, is to be Head Start, right? Uh, and I saw some programming happening in New York with all this mo- this money that. Uh, the uh the teachers union has uh has uh, ruffled out of uh Biden that they're gonna be some three year old Head Start classes that are gonna be happening in New York and that's even better to expose kids to to school uh, at that early of an age right um the next thing I'm gonna say is man we what we don't do is this we don't talk to the kids right and I think. Cole does a phenomenal job with the work that he does in terms of like bringing in the student voice. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, if we're going to have real conversations about older kids that have fell through the cracks, we need to have conversations with them about what they want to learn, what they want to do, how they want to be helped. Right. Cause I think that, um, I think what we can do is, uh, is what we, what we could do is I'm more so leaning towards if, if a kid is not, if, if a kid tells me like, listen, Akram, I'm not college material. I don't feel like I'm college material, but I do feel like I'm trade school material. Then I want to get behind that. Right. I want to push that because mm-hmm. I know that there are certain trades that a kid can come out debt free under apprenticeships and still make the same amount that a four year college student would make going through that whole process or whatever. Right. Because you know some kids are just built to to do trades or whatever. So like how are we harnessing that process or whatever? Are we putting, too much attention in terms of like kids and getting kids to college, and then kids going to college for one year and then coming back home because college wasn't for them, and now they have this debt that are uh, that they still have to pay off or whatever. So it's a lot of conversations that we need to have, and it's great that we're starting to have these kind of conversations amongst us. Among us, not amongst because I got some grammar Nazis in the in the in the uh, comments that will come from me. Mm-hmm. Among us, mm-hmm. right? Amongst, uh, but we, bro. No, no, no. It's amongst. Yeah. Us. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to start having these yeah. conversations with kids.
1: Well, listen, this is uh this is where I wanted to go with that part with this part of the conversation anyways. I think you kind of tee it up well, which is um, are we using other people's definitions of what it means like to prepare our kids? Like, I mean, there's like uh, I mean, just to be real, there are things that you could learn in your four years of high school that can make you 60, 70, 80, hundred thousand dollars your first year out of high school. There literally are. And there's other people doing it all over the place. So are we really like thinking through are we trying to reach the educational peak so much? And seeing college is the peak that we're forgetting that um, we need young. That there are young people in this world that need to get out of high school, being able to do something. And, and that's just the way it is. That's just the way that is going to be. And if that's true, what do we do now? Like what, what do we do now to start talking about an opportunity agenda that goes beyond just like college or bust? I mean, well, again, I'll go to get the get me out the way
3: so we can let these (laughs) school (laughs) leaders go. But I mean, I just I just respect where they are and what they've done and their resumes. And y'all got to put some respect on Rand Sharif's name. You feel me in these streets? Um, I think, Chris, I think what you're talking about is people got to know who they are. And mm-hmm. you're not going to learn who you are in these schools, especially our traditional schools, mm-hmm. more probably not our charter schools. And, and I'm doubtful for our, our private schools. Right. Like there is a role that we have to take. Our village has to take. And, you know, this is normally reef thing. But my man, my, my man from my book club gave uh, had us reading this book, this uh, Seeking the Soku, this, 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 the Saku from Wade Nobles. And he quoted somebody in it. But the brother said for the oppressed to really be free. He must go beyond revolt, by another path. He must begin other ways, conceive of himself and reconstruct himself independently of the master. And, and I think that I know that that I'm not trying to get like super deep or philosophical on it, but we keep sending our kids into environments that are not for them, that do not protect them, that do not love them. We are expecting them to have the rules and know the rules automatically. Let me give you, let me give you a real world example. Of a conversation that I had to have with real life teenagers that are really struggling through this, there are two very popular artists, Saweetie and Quavo from Migos, and they got into an issue in a in a in a, in a elevator, and it kind of blew up. And there were these conversations that had that that needed to happen, and these were young men that were genuinely curious and wanted to have a conversation about this because they were genuinely confused. Our school system as is, is not a safe place for them to have that conversation. It is not safe for our black boys and black women where they already think that black women can take more pain than average people, that black boys are older than what they are, that you Mm -hmm. are already somebody's Mm -hmm. threat. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I am all Mm -hmm. I am always a consummate threat. And I was a square where I came from the squares of the squares, right? And these are the same people that profess to love your babies, that profess to love all kids. But if you scared of me with four degrees and a fucking Mercedes... What are you gonna do? I thought we couldn't uh, say that on air. Uh, yeah, what, wait. I thought so we, so we couldn't say, say that, say that I, on I, air. I because I, 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 I ain't drove it. Yeah, yeah.
2: Right, you I got a
1: picture of me sitting on the hood of that Jordan. Me, <laughs> me too. I got a picture in it. You know, <laughs> no, the Batman. No, comb- what you Go ahead, Bruce Wayne? Go what you gonna do with a fifteen-year-old black boy
3: who's watched his mother be beat by a dude that's not her father? That uh has been kicked out of two schools previously and knows how to handle himself in those streets. What is that person going to do when that person shows up to your school hurting and lashes out by cursing you out? Right? Like these people not ready for our babies and don't want them, but it's because we're trying to make our kids, we send them to an oppressor that don't fuck with you already. And like, Make that they have to adjust to those rules. I talk about it. I break it down, and it's it's Broth and Brenner's model, right? White folks can handle these systems better because the, the 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 type of way they speak at home is the exact type of culture that these teachers have because they are no, mostly white people. But when you have to speak two languages, one at home, shit, three languages, one at home, one in the streets, and one at school. Guess which one ain't gonna get all of me. Well, and okay, so let me we, challenge you just a real quick. Like, let I, me I, challenge you I, real quickly I, I, on this basis.
1: point. On this point, let me challenge you real quickly because Chicago, where you're gonna have a lot of black teachers and Absolutely. a lot of black kids in black classrooms with a lot of black kids,
0: mm-hmm.
1: never gonna get some of the best jobs in Chicago because of the school system that they went through. Right. A bunch of people that look like them running those schools. Uh and so I, you know, I got a practical question, which is, you know, you're you're teaching high school, you're ninth grade, for instance. Mm-hmm. And you're teaching getting a kid that has everything that you just said. They had that going on in their life for these other eight grades. They got all this other stuff going on, but you know you got like three years before mm-hmm. you're like, it's the exit to Soulville. Like right. you won't be out of here. Like you're gonna need to do something. You're gonna need to make some money four years from now. You need right. to make some money right now, just to be real for you. We should be paying uh-huh. some
0: kids just to go to school.
1: But um, but if you're that teacher, I mean, and you're listening to us right now, you're thinking, like, listen, you know, I only got so much time to be revolutionary with these kids. Yeah, they got all this stuff they coming in with, but if you come in at ninth grade like that, and I know I got until 12th grade for you to be able to learn something that mm-hmm. helps you earn in life, what? I will give you, what do we do? I'll tell
3: you I'll tell you being the most revolutionary is doing your job well don't, don't mission creep on what your job is and, and I'll give you a real life example in two minutes because I know y'all know that I'm long winded and I apologize up front when I ran a youth organization I became the boss of it right and I had these people under me these very well meaning folks that came from a lot of places some were black some were white or whatever and we had young people and I would do this exercise where I told them to keep all their paperwork in the beginning of the year and then I would randomly ask for And they had a, a, a two days to bring it to me. Right. And what I was doing was preparing them for college because they lost my FAFSA information every single year. And I got out of it. Right. And I had and one of the one of the people like put on for the kid. Right. They didn't hold that kid accountable. And they thought that they were doing them a favor. Right. They thought that, like, I'm doing this little black kid a favor by stepping out of the thing. And I'm like, no, no, no. You're doing something to make you feel good in the moment. Your job is to prepare this kid for the war that they're about to be in as an adult and they won't have you. See, at 15 year old, at 15 years old, you a cute kid. At 35, you a fucking bum. Like people not stopping. You ain't, doing, you ain't so, cute at 15. You ain't fifty. You ain't mm-hmm. cute. I'm, but but mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, is that mm-hmm. people will listen to your story if you a 14 year old kid. Yeah versus when you a 34-year-old bum, right? And the world that our young people are getting prepared for is very different from the world that some of these other people come from. So I know you want to be equity-minded. I know that you've been reading kindy and anti-racism, and I know it's a whole bunch of new words. The hoax. You signed up to be a teacher? Yeah. I need you to be good at your good at your craft. I need you to like pay attention to those signs. And if you're not making a breakthrough, you need to reach out to a community to help or reach out to that parent and let them know what's going on. But the job is not for you to feel good. The job is that kids leave your school prepared off of the information you are responsible to transfer. That's it. All right. Sherry, right, get, get in up, here. I want yeah, to follow up this
0: point, right? Some really good points, Charles. I think uh, some of the things that Black families could do Right, because like I, I've been in this situation myself, to where when I was eighteen, I was on my own. Right, but then when you look at a lot of folks from like other cultures or whatever, like if they go off to college, then they're coming back home, and then once they graduate college, like they're not incurring any debt. Mommy and daddy are gonna hold them down until they get their first real job, until they save up a couple years of salary and whatnot in order for them to put down payments on their houses and whatnot. So I think that. We need to kind of incorporate that mindset, right? Like once you're 18, like a lot of of folks in our community feel like once you're 18, you're growing and you're on your own and you need to do Mm -hmm. whatever you need to do. I don't incorporate that mindset. If my kids ever need to come back home, then they always gonna have their bedroom and might have to move some stuff around or whatever from my office. In my son's room, but <laughs> he'll always have his room, though, you know, and and, and it's not that way in a, in a lot of folks' houses and stuff. And I think that we need to we need to kind of shift that paradigm. Reef, I'll come back after you for the other topic, but I wanted to b- piggyback on what Charles was saying and some dope stuff. Appreciate you.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think these are all like really great points and I, and I can't. Emphasize enough, you know the, uh, you know when Baldwin talks about the most revolutionary thing, um, is about teaching black children, um, particularly teaching them uh, well, right, um, and like what that education means is, it's the literacy, it's the numeracy, it's the problem solving, it's also be able to navigate a racist society, right? Like what are the tools, and. If you ain't literate, it's going to be hella hard for you to navigate mm-hmm. a racist society, right? So we can talk mm-hmm. on this. Wolf, that's West Coast uh, slang, keep us. going, though.
3: That's Bay Area slang, though, but keep going. But which that, one? That is, that is. That's which hella Bay Area. Hella, that's hella Bay Area, but Yeah, there you go. Man, I, I saw some white lady in Starbucks
2: saying that the other day, right <laughs> down the street. We I was about to say, you probably saw her wearing, you
0: know, like some of her clothes. Listen, I'll
2: give credit to that. You know,
0: I didn't know that, so I appreciate I That's that's Oakland, bro. Hey, she's from Oakland. She she bought, she's buying Starbucks, but she's from Oakland, living in a yeah. crib that folks in Oakland can't afford. No uh, that makes, sense. That makes <laughs> sense. I bought my house yeah. in Chicago, so that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but just you know,
2: like understanding that I think is is really important, right? Like you know, too too often we're like, I, I think it's a combination of the savior mm-hmm. mentality, like oh I'm a, I'm a savior, and I'm a savior by not. Pushing you right, low expectations. Oh, you already challenged. So I'm not going to challenge you more, right? Like you already challenged. Like I already have made up my mind where you are and what your capacity is, and so I'm going to lower everything as far as my expectations, the rigor, the relevancy wasn't there in the, in the from the giddy up, and. And then I'm going to say, yeah, I'm 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 teaching, I'm delivering, and I think it's the exact opposite. Like you know, um, like it, it. Yes, you you have compassion, you have empathy, and you got to be able to teach your butt off like that at the end of the day, right? Like, and so to me, there is no being woke if if the child is not if you're not ensuring that they are literate, numerate. Mm. Were able to problem solve and and chase their aspirations.
1: Right. Like I, and I hear one on big problem in that. To. And and I want to come back to you, Ray, because I know you you had a, another point to make. I'll just quickly say, Sharif, what you just said scared me because I got a quick chill. The thing that people always say that no one's going to teach you what you need to know to overthrow them. Mm-hmm. Asada. You, Yeah. If you match that with what you just said, um, the most revolutionary act can be to teach a black child. Well, the definition of teaching a black child well is to teach them what they need to know to overthrow the people who are teaching them. Right. Like, so who's going to teach you to fire them? Right. You only got
0: seven percent of folks that could do
1: that. Mm. I mean, like, like. There it's not in your best interest in a mainstream American public school. It is not in your best interest to fully educate a black child because if they were fully educated, they wouldn't see you as a teacher. They would fire you and they would shut your school down. They might not even shut it down, they would burn it down. That's a full education, right? Actually, that's a justice. I mean, that's education. what Baldwin talks about. The paradox, right? If you're really if paradox. you're really teaching yes. black
2: children well, they're gonna yeah. question. Not only society, but you, you right, that's right. And but where so are some you, of the most you, dangerous places to question schools? To be the right. safest place. Is some of the most dangerous places for children to to uh, push, challenge, and ask
0: questions. Yeah, but pushing, challenging, uh, for them to push and challenge their educators also means that their educators can be seen as facilitators of learning, right? So like, it doesn't You're have the, about a whole nother uh, level of training, right? Exactly. And right? But like, but, but. You know, that that's what that's what the folks that are ingrained to teach kids to overthrow the system are teaching as they're teaching as facilitators of education, not necessarily as mm-hmm. teachers. Right. So, so it's, level, it's levels to teaching. Right. You, you're a teacher or you're a facilitator of learning. Right. A facilitator of learning is kind of like a promotion you get once you have mastered the art of being able to teach. And so, you know, we had more facilitators of learning and, you know, we would have different outcomes. But next to that, though, right, like I said this last week, and I'm going to keep driving this point home. There is 7% of the teaching field that identifies as African-American. Only 1.7% of those folks are black men. Mm. But let you say something anti-teaching. And they take that shit so personal, like that you would think that they were the 100 percent of folks that were teaching. Right. And the majority of the time, you're not even talking about them. You're talking about these folks that are doing racist shit in the classroom and whatnot. That are just <laughs> right? right. But because they are natural capers for a bad system, because that has allowed them to be in the middle class, these folks will come at your throat. Cancel you and do all kind of things. I man, I saw Steve uh, Steve Perry Steve Steve put uh, something in a uh, somebody screenshot his tweet, put it in a black teacher chat, and they came after this dude and called him everything but a child of God. And I must have spent half my day defending this dude because the majority of them don't even know who the hell he is. They just seen him on TV. They don't know that you know, like you said earlier, he started a school in his community. Right, and then the next mm-hmm. thing was oh, he's a social worker. He's not educated. What the fuck, does that mean? <laughs> like, what, what are you saying right now? Like, what do right. you, you, you? Yo, we people, need y'all. We need
2: y'all, but y'all don't know. Y'all, y'all not going to know anything, right? Like, it's 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 I just. Thought dumb, schools, I thought
3: schools. I thought schools love social workers and one and yeah. more. I thought,
1: wanted I thought more so of them. them. Yeah, as, as long as you come you in and guys. shut I up, don't, say say don't it, As a, a five-year
3: so, five social worker, actually, we have three social workers on this podcast.
1: Three. So, know, like, listen. This is so, and I. I know we got to go into to final thoughts soon here, but I will... It's up to you, brother. I'm chilling. Yeah. I'm good. I'm chilling. You know, I'm, well, I will support. say this on that point. Like, like, um, no, This I'm is not. why I don't trust people in the system. Because because you got to decide whether, you know, uh, you call yourself a teacher, an educator, whatever you want. And I don't care who sent you or whatever. You have to make a decision at some point. Do you work for the system or do you work for the people? And and to, the honest answer that I hear from people all the time within the system is pretty uniform. It, it makes... It makes suckers out of people that were normal people before they went in the system. They get that job. They start sounding like their colleagues. They start acting like, well, what would happen to the system if you do what you want to do? Well, what do I want to do? Well, you want to take kids out of our system. But that ain't our system we didn't build, I, when did that become our system? Right, so like, like I have all these problems. The concept, I mean, Plymouth Rock. The, you know, the, cro- we the, didn't the, the land on Plymouth Rock, <laughs> Plymouth, Rock, landed, Plymouth on on Rock landed on us, right? And this whole thing around like, you know, our system and what will happen to the system, this centric, system centric talk that comes out of the, the mouths of fools who have, who have joined the system, work for it, have their full investment in it, and they can't imagine you talking about something outside of that they can't they can't even imagine it they just like like and, and their mind it's terrorizing to them they think all these crazy thoughts well if you did that then and it's all the skies. but this is what i don't this is this, all skies fall and shit you know but this is what i don't understand about them and and the, first of all you can't be reading all these equity books and history books and not know That that one of the ways that you colonize a people is that you take away all of their teachers, their religion, their language and everything, and then you control all that. And then you put them through your system over succeeding generations. Now, how stupid do we have to be as semi-conscious, half-woke individuals to not know that that's part of the game here? That's part of the play. Well, I'm right? not woke at all. So, so, so put that out. well, you know, like I, I'm not unwoke. I'm gonna put it that way. You know, like I'm not crazy. I'm just a little Well, but like, 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 listen. So, he, here's the thing with the with the um the system centric thinkers or whatnot. They are kind of our biggest problem. Mm-hmm. They really, really are because if people can't even imagine being free, if they can't even imagine, what are you gonna do about the canon? We got to teach kids the canon. Who's canon? What the hell's wrong with you? (laughs) That that canon is that canon is pointed at your head and it's meant to give you a midnight lobotomy and make you practice cultural suicide. How stupid do you have to be to to be so system talkish that when you see a Steve Perry quote, you drop it in a a, a room of black so-called educators who work for the system. And their biggest problem with it is he's trying to get away from boss. He's trying to do something outside of boss. That's their biggest problem. And these are the people that you are entrusting the intellectual development of your children to every day. You are handing them to people who can't even imagine their freedom. Couldn't imagine them even being intellectually free enough to say your entire system is corrupt. It's not for me. And I'm not going to do this with myself or with my children. Right. Anyways, that's my soapbox for the moment. Just on like when you, 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 you triggered me with this, like even black educators in the system, you know, trying to tear somebody down for trying to do something different. It makes no sense to me. Mm. But that, Makes but, but then, you're, you're where did Sharif about? go? Did Cointel Pro get Sharif again? Yeah, did, they got him. They got is him. This is what we doing.
3: They said, they said, oh, your time is up, Negro. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, right? You was about to
0: make a point, we're, bro. We're talking about these options, though, right? But if we're talking about these options, the big, I feel like the biggest, uh, the biggest obstacles that we're gonna have in terms of like, that black private schools are going to be black educators. That's going to be the biggest obstacle, bro. Because any opportunity that they get in order to say, you know what? Well, this is not like this and this is not this and this is not that and this is not like the traditional public schools and this is not... Damn it! If we wanted to be in the traditional public schools, we would go... I passed my praxis, right? I could teach anywhere in the United States if that's what I wanted to do, right? So, like, don't force me. Don't pigeon box me in order to make me be in the classroom and be you know, be miserable and not be able to, and, 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 and conform to your spirit dimming, uh, personalities or whatever that, that, that are spirit dimming these kids. I'm not going to do that. Like, I, I think, I think so macro in terms of like what we can do in education, man, this system, the system is, is doomed. It needs to be reset, but there's, there's a lot of things that we can do outside of this system to make it work for our babies. If we just put the effort into it.
3: Yeah, man. I, I think that's a good point. Um, I agree with you. Listen, I will say this and people grab a pen and paper because I know y'all be asking for practical stuff and I'm going to just use my friend as an example. Here are your four rules, though. It's just very, very simple. You have to like really like know what your bar is. What is your bar that you want for your kid? Know what you're getting, know the gaps and then fill the gaps. Let me give you an example of my friend who did not go to college himself until lately, until recently, but has put four three other kids in college himself, right? It was, hey, this is the bar I want for my son. All right, cool. I want him to know this, that, and the third. Who does math the best? Who does English the best? Okay, I'm going to choose Kip. I don't know much about it, but I see their stuff. Great. Damn, Kip be having kids on lines and shit? I don't like that, man. You know what? I'm going to surround my son around my black male friends that I respect, and that's going to hold him to high estate. So he brings, and then he brings his son to us. We praise him, yo. Hey, you doing good. You killing it. His son makes a mistake. It's a few years ago, right, before his son went to college. And he made his son come to us again. Right. And like and he was like, no, no, no. If you take the praise from these black men, you got to be responsible and accountable to these black men about how you how you didn't do what you need to do. And then he did that. This young man is just on track to do some, some great stuff. So what my friend did was he don't know, he don't care nothing about the charter traditional debate. He ain't in none of these wars. He don't know nothing about how teachers is feeling and unions and stuff like that. What he knows is that he loves his son. He wanted his son to have a strong foundation. You know what? Kip is good at teaching kids how to read. And teaching kids math, not so good at teaching them how to be a black man, but I got that covered. I'm going to make sure that happens. So I think that it had the, your work as a parent never ends. And and I get it. Right. You want to be able and you should be able to. Let me say this because you're not wrong for wanting this. You should be able to send your kid to educational institutions and they do the job they're supposed to do because you did your job. You got dre- you got them dressed. You fed them. You sent them. Right. You know, because you got your own work to do. But what I'm saying is you have to constantly be checking your bar, where people fit on that bar and fill in the gaps. It's not fair for us to ask you that. But if you want kids that get to where you want them to get to, I would say those four steps are pretty helpful. I would ask my educator friends here how they felt about that advice, how they felt about his approach. Um, but I think it's very practical. And again, he don't care about none of this shit. He ain't about to get in none of these arguments. He ain't going to no union meetings. He ain't going to no board meetings, but he got what he needed out of them schools.
0: I would say that that's an amazing plan. The only thing that I would add as an addendum uh, in terms of checking the gaps is don't wait too long to check them gaps. Every year, you need to be checking gaps. What's from kindergarten. Right. So every year, when you go to your back-to-school night, now you shouldn't have to be in person. It should be an opportunity for you to be virtual. You ask that teacher, what is my kid supposed to learn by the end of the school year, Right. And then you break that list down into chunks to make sure that your kid is learning. If your kid is not learning these things, then you reach out to the school and you say, hey, listen, my kid didn't master this. What additional programming do you have in order for my kid to master this particular strand that they did not master? If they do not have a program or if the program is not Mm -hmm. working and then you that's the time for you to reach out to your resources in order to get the additional help that you may need. What are the additional resources? You could have a teacher at the church, right? You could have someone that, you know, Charles went to Boys and Girls Club and whatnot. You have to then come off of your high horse in order to humble yourself in order to ask for help. I think a lot of the times when folks run into trouble in terms of filling those gaps is they're too proud to ask for help. I'm never going to be too proud to ask for help when it comes down to making my child's education better than the education that I experienced. And everybody needs to incorporate that mindset.
1: So listen, y'all, um, I think we should roll into to final thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a powerful place to end with practical things for parents to do. Um, I do want to like, as we wrap, kind of like end where we started, like thinking through what's possible in terms of do for self. Um, Charles has said it a million times, like uh, we're on our own. Uh, Jeffrey Canada told us Superman's not coming and we keep waiting for him over and over and over again. Um, We're being sold the bill of goods that all we need to do is fully fund the schools that we have right now. And and that's said as if it's gonna happen anytime soon. Because if the only thing we have to do is fully fund public schools and that's gonna happen soon, then I'm good. Right. <laughs> like I'm good. But if you've been watching education policy for 50 years, that same thing has been said for over 50 years, no matter how much we were putting into the schools, it was always the same thing. Well, if we had enough funds. So that's not going to happen. So we are kind of on our own. So as we wrap, I would just ask you to think about two things that were kind of the the focus of the show, which is one to one. What extent uh, are you hopeful or, or see Uh, The capacity for doing this thing we've been talking about, which is creating alternative paths, alternative things to do. Um, to take it into our own hands and do for self for our kids. And and two, how realistic is it that we are going to be able to make sure that we change the game on what they're being taught so that they actually can, they graduate capable of doing something. They graduate capable of going into the world and earning. Like Like we have four people on this podcast right now who have found very different ways to make a living and found very different ways to have what we have in life. Mine isn't associated with anything that I learned in high school. Mine is, is associated with zero. Neither the only, only class I ever took that made money in my entire years in school was typing. <laughs> if I hadn't take, taken typing, I can guarantee you that there would be less money in my pocket, but nothing else that I'm doing that that makes a life for me came out of high school or, or my time in school. So with those two, uh, those, uh, those two things in mind, I'll start with you, uh, Sharif and, and, Uh, Um, then we'll go to Ray and we'll go to Charles. I'm looking at the order on my screen here. Cool. Cool. Yeah.
2: Look, I mean, that piece that you said about the, uh, you know, waiting for whether it's waiting for Superman or waiting for, you know, the bank, you know, um, you know, I I just want to remind, you know, our audience knows this, but, you know, just remind society in general that yes, the way that schools are underfunded is racist. But that ain't the only racist game in town. You know, uh, again, the research shows that black kids experience racism within their schools, whether it's wealthy schools or not. Right. And so that in alone ain't going to do it. Upper Dublin up here can show you that, oh, money ain't what make us racist. You know, Uh, (laughs) not having money ain't ain't what make us racist. Mm -hmm. We racist just because we Mm -hmm. we. To borrow Bay Area, we hella racist, and hella. we got back you know. So, um, you know, that's hella just man. one piece. Um, I think the, the other one, I think when you are talking about like what we can do, I, I think you know the entrepreneurial spirit, you know, that we have. As adults that can be taught passed on nurtured with our with our children right like you know this whole idea of like diversification of of income and that's some of the things we tell our our new teachers right like when we were having the convenings uh the brothers put on uh these uh financial literacy classes for adults for black men who were teachers Mm. and also was really challenging them what are your what are your skill sets Right. Like you're teaching and receiving professional development or whatever, 220 days a year, 250, maybe. What are you doing for the rest of it to add up to three sixty five? You can really be honing in on some other aspects. Are you a writer? Are you a mathematician? Are you you want to create a nonprofit? You want to write a book, or you want to write articles? You want to train other folks, right? Like there are other things that you can do to supplement your income. But these are also things that you can teach, um, you know, your youth. Um, I'm I'm grateful for you know every time we have these type of conversations. I just got to give a shout out to the Sasa crew and folks who started the school, you know, and and. As she said she shared a facade trailer who was doing freedom friday she was also with dr rogers on on building that black educated pipeline and she talked about this the this was in direct response to how unsatisfied they were with, with uh the education that black children were going to receive and they're like in order for them to for us to train our replacements we're going to have to train them you know not some we're not going to farm it out we're not going to you know, contract it out. We are going to take ownership of that. And when I couple that and I think about the other out of school time, the head start, the other aspects. Right. Like I just I can't imagine that we can't do more. But it's like whether you each one teach one or each one teach a thousand and the continuum in between there. Everybody should be within those goalposts. That's the goalposts. Mm-hmm. Each one teach one or each one teach a thousand. Get in there somewhere within that uh, within that paradigm.
0: Ray. Yeah. So, uh, man, I, I'm going I'm to use I'm going to close out using my son as an example. Right. So this kid is hella smart, 15 years old, playing on hella because, you know, that's right. there you go. There nine, you go. But, See, y'all know where it comes from. Just do your <laughs> thing, man. Do so, your thing, bro. So, so he, he's 15 years old. He's about to graduate high school. Right. But growing up, anytime we drove by McDonald's. This kid is out the window talking about the Donald's, the Donald's, the Donald's, right? Mm. And so, you but know, you don't when,
1: say it, bro. Don't say
0: it. to him when we talked to him when he was young. It was like, yeah, yo, what's your what's your dream job? He's like, yo, I wanna I wanna serve fries at McDonald's. Right? <laughs> that was his dream, uh, dream job. Working at McDonald's. So see hit me, I'm like, well, you know, I was a Wendy's guy, uh, but if McDonald's <laughs> is your thing, then McDonald's is your thing because I know this. I know that you know the fundamental skills that you need that that you will learn at McDonald's will help you in any industry that you go in, right? or there's just some things that's embedded in how they teach you how to run the register, how they teach you how to make the fries, the process Mm -hmm. of making a sandwich or whatever. So you're only going to learn by doing that. And then, you know, you being 14 years old and making $13 an hour, that ain't bad either. Right? So this kid gets the job at McDonald's. He absolutely hates it. Right. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that if he didn't have that experience to know, that he hated that job, then it wouldn't be motivating him to apply to colleges and do the things that he needs to do in order to make sure that he doesn't fall into that realm of working at McDonald's. He already had that learned experience to know that I don't want to do that. That's not the life that's for me. And so therefore I'm going to challenge myself to go out and live the life that I feel I'm destined for. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'll end y'all with challenge your kids and let them live their dreams. That's a
1: word, bro. That's a
0: word. Dr. Cole,
1: man, with our similar backgrounds and our, our, you got your notes, bro. So so let's hit it. Let's get it. Do it.
3: Well, They're a little disjointed, but I'm going to start by just saying this. I just need the people out there to understand because there's still this narrative that black dads ain't in the home. And three out of the four hosts here are black dads who are very present that are raising both young black men and young black women. And doing a damn good job at it. And we got to figure out a way to do something with that. But just just the fatherly advice that I get from you all, I I I appreciate it. And I hope that the people out there do too. And that when somebody has that narrative a parents that, that y'all step up. Because we got three folks that just talked about their kids and what they're doing with them. And that's revolutionary in and of itself. I would just say this, man. That story that I gave about my friend, like... It ain't fair to ask you to adapt, but that's a part of being self-determined. We just we just are good at adapting and knowing your history is really important. So for my final thought, just know this. Right. Chris started with a very simple question. Can we reimagine education that's that that supports, loves and, 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 and teaches our black kids? We did it. We did it right after slavery. Just know this so you understand what you come from, because if you don't know your past, it's really hard to plot out your future right after slavery. Black people, as soon as they got free, they pulled all their little money together Mm -hmm. and they went to the church and that church pulled all their ties together and they built schools and they built schools despite the white planters saying, we don't want y'all to have schools. And the northern people, the northern white people who you think might have been liberal and loved these people, they didn't. They said, well... Them niggas is still beneath us. So like mm. actually, whatever education they get, it should be working for us, right? But black people took all that and they relented and they built schools. And these white planners saw these, these black kids being able to read and their kids couldn't. Their kids were still on the farm. And they said, guess what? We want all that shit. Give it all to us, right? So they took all our schools, right? But black folks didn't give up. They adjusted again, right? And they said, okay, well, we just gonna build them in our communities. This Rosenwald cat ain't giving us a bunch of money, but he putting his name on it and we going the rest. It's only one third of the money, but the rest of the money coming from us in our community. And we built up a vibrant community of black educators, black parents and black students that were respected, that were well paid and Guess what happened? Then there was all these things about desegregation, right? And it was a bunch of cases. It wasn't one. And and what the law does and what the system does is that the system will protect itself. The more you fight against it, it is built to snap back like a rubber band. So what happened was these people posed like they was helping black people. And instead of desegregating by sending white teachers and resources into black communities. They just closed down all our schools and they fired all those black educators, men and women respected, right? Y'all keep talking about respect for that teaching core, right? It was super respected. And then they put us in dilapidated schools, uh, and didn't give us the type of resources that we need. And they called it desegregation. And they said that you, in order for your kid to learn, you got to ship them to be with these white folks that don't know them and don't care about them and don't love them. And that's what we are today. You, are, you come from a people that have relented, whether they had money or not. So don't fall for the okie doke of we can't teach kids that's poor. That's bullshit. We didn't have no money. We was fresh out of slavery. And we ended up having one of the best. The reason people got free education now is because of black people. And if you know that you move different. So don't, so when Chris asks you the question and he knows the answer, right? Can we do this? We done did it already, but most of us don't know that. Hmm. And when you don't know that it feels impossible and and things are, everything is impossible until it's done. But guess what has been done? That stuff is in your blood. So again, figure out that you need a high bar. Figure out this. Look at all the schools around you, regardless of what system it is, whatever works and checks off the most boxes for you. Make that choice and just be ready to fill those other gaps with community, with Chris, Sharif and Ray, myself or whomever. But you can make it happen because you've always made it happen. And maybe your kids won't have to sacrifice. That's my mm-hmm. final thought.
1: Man, that's powerful. That's really powerful. Um, my final thought on all of this is um. You know, I'll uh, I'll just start by saying this. I have been uh, doing Ancestry.com a lot for the last year and a half. Uh, And it's funny, these stories I keep coming up with, but um, there's a there's a thread. That I see with a certain generation, especially my grandparents generation and one right before them, which is low number of years in schools, but people who died with two and three and four houses, multiple boats and cars, all the fishing tackle that you can you can imagine uh, stuff in their garage to fix almost anything uh, and the ability. To fix almost anything. Small motors, uh, build houses, cabinets, floors, could do just about anything in a house from beginning to end. Married into a family like that, married into a family of tradespeople who um um nothing can break that they can't fix in their house. You, you don't go to their houses and find broken down stuff, right? Like and they don't pay anybody to fix any of it, right? And and um many of them who haven't done an awful lot of college, if they have done any, but um are driving brand. brand- new F-150s, you know, uh, um, Ford F-150s, in some cases uh, other lesser lesser quality trucks um than Ford, but 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 they're living a life. And and it's all based upon what they can do and skills that they have learned. Uh, my grandfather was one of these people. He told me about built laying railroad tracks for 75 cents a day from um from the Midwest up through uh, up to St. Louis um and got as far as I, I think in as Monta- in Montana at one point. White boys right next to him making $1.50. He's making 50 cents. They're making $1.50. He's telling me he's sending home 70 cents a day or 70 cents of that, that 75 cents. And he's getting a Coke and a loaf of bread for the five cents. Right. And, uh, so listen to his stories, right. And when he came through, I learned early that industry was the way to go. Like what you can do is King and, and what you learn and what you know, and all that is, is King also. But my, my grandfather used to tell me, boy, if I was in your generation, I'd be a millionaire four times over. Right. And he was just basically saying my level of hustle matched with your level of opportunity. Um, I'd be unstoppable. Um, so I took that to heart In sixth grade, um, there was a, this is where role models come in beyond school. In sixth grade, there was a dude that I met named, uh, um, Dumas uh, um, I'm gonna forget his first name but his daughter and I were very close Sarah Dumas and I went to school together and we were very close she introduced me to him he had a, a chain of hair salons and he hired me in sixth grade to sell curl activator <laughs> uh, his own brand of curl activator so I sold curl activator to all my friends and I learned you can make money by being a good salesperson right and uh, high and off your own supply I was hot well, was it's funny you should say that because I was used Using the curl activator and my own CEO wouldn't know it now brother looking brother. at me, but a brother had a curl. I had a dangerous curl at that, too. I had the DeBarge special, so, so leave it alone. Um, Please post pictures, Josh. Uh, but, but I learned his level of hustle uh, uh, and I took it with me through life. I actually ended up working in restaurants. I worked as a prep cook. Worked as a, a line cook, eventually made it up to a lead on the line, uh, worked in Montgomery Wards, Sears, J.C. Penney's, all of their catalog departments, worked in the Coke and Pepsi plants, uh, um, doing summer temporary work. Um, if, you have, if you can name it, through temporary agencies also, I did it for like four or five years straight. Um, and all of these things led to the next thing. And this is why I think I have to, I asked this question, can we be preparing our young people to do something? Because even though I didn't go straight to college and even though like, you know, woo, look at that. Look at Jesus jumping on me. Look at that. Um, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I didn't go straight to college. Right. uh, um, uh I had some industry in me and some hustle, and I believe we could be preparing our young people to do a lot of things right now that they're capable of of doing. You can learn to code before you get out of high school. You can learn to do like eight of the certificate positions that Google hires for right now. You can learn several of them from home uh, within six months. Right. You don't need uh, uh, much more than that. So anyways, this is my final word on it. I do think all of you sit your answers is is yes, we can be creating new educational capital, black educational capital that we own, that we control and and. And my piece of it is to say, and that prepares people. OK, see, now, why somebody in the comic going to bring up Ready for the World? Why somebody in the comic going to bring up Ready for the World? Because why? How did you know that was the soundtrack of my existence for like five years? So, OK, I'm going to leave But well, look, Chris, you bring up a
2: really good point. I'm wondering what role the entre- black entrepreneurs play. Right. Like I, I hadn't even thought about this. My first job, my very first job where somebody else outside of my, you know, immediate family was giving me a. a you know, uh, a dollar here or there, was with an entrepreneur. He had his own shop, right? You mm-hmm. described that, mm-hmm. right? Like, suppose that was a part, we just said, like, you know what, that's part of education, right? And, like, you're calling out entrepreneurs, like, hey, we here's how many kids we have in a certain percentage. We need y'all to give them internships or apprenticeship, whatever it is, because I had never thought about it until you described it that way, that your first role was with this- I- um, entrepreneur. And I was like, oh, you know what? My first job was in a, uh, a, a, a family that owned a bread. Family. I only got the job because one of his sons was too lazy to get up early in the morning and, and, you know, need the dough. Right. And so he's like, Hey, you want, you want to work? And I was like, sure. Right. Like, but that I'm just, I was like, huh, you know what? That's this, probably this a big is part our, of the um, puzzle.
1: This is our biggest blind spot right now. I think this is it. Charles runs an organization. I run an organization. There are entrepreneurial skills that we are using because we're running something that didn't exist before we did it. We created something whole cloth, whole cloth and without entrepreneurial type of hustling skills. I just don't know how you would even think to do that, to do that work. Now it's on us now to demystify that for other people.
2: Yeah, and not just no. in a stale classroom environment, right? Like no. just like, hey, now it's no. an entrepreneur class and and kids be falling asleep like they do in your literature class, right? But like an actual a plug-in to the community and and this kind of you know, create this circle.
1: Or what Charles oh, does. What Charles yeah. brings people in, and Charles is like, Let me have you do this. Let me show mm-hmm. you. Come exactly. in here, let me show you. And it ain't that hard. And listen,
3: man, we had kids. He showed he said, me how to <laughs> set up my camera in like 20 minutes. <laughs> hey, and here, and here's the thing about the reports, right? We had a few of our kids, cry, like, almost cried when they saw their words being written out and used. And then I walked them through everything they did because they didn't even realize they did so much. Right. Like teaching ain't that hard. Like, I know that we got to like, oh, uh, 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 here we go. Here uh, we yeah, go. Man, oh. hard. <laughs> when something is your vocation. Right. The same yeah. way I can say the same thing about ministering being a firefighter, whatever. I know that we, the only reason we let this, this profession get away with saying that is because we don't want to pay them more. That's the only reason. Like, brain surgery is very, very, very difficult. But don't. But they get paid a lot of money to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, like, and if you don't, listen, if you feel like teaching is such a fucking burden, then don't do it. Go do something else. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> if no, you don't want to be here, go no, there. No, like, you. You know what? No, it, no. It, what is wrong? Want- <laughs> Can I just ask a question? I love good
1: educators. Yes. What is wrong with what I just said? To grow wrong. With, there's nothing wrong with what you just said, but you are talking about a highly feminized occupation of people that are in their fields at any of the slightest suggestion that they can do better. Right. They want you to martyr them. They want you to feel like, you oh so my spr- God, right? it's a tough you, job. You, it's the hardest you're job a ever. It's the hardest is, job listen, ever. Listen, oh my listen, listen, God. Listen, listen. This you know what's the my, hardest job ever is shoveling shit. That's, and the, that's the thing job. And, and that's for eight right. hours straight and knowing roofing? that you have to, you know, roofing is roofing, pretty hard if you do it cutting, in the summer. Cutting trees.
3: Uh, <laughs> uh you know what <laughs> this is hard. Coal mining. Coal mining is Coal very, very hard. Difficult. Coal mining is hard. Same. You will die. Trucking, you know, trucking, ice trucking is very difficult. Here's the point, right? It's okay. a lot of hard jobs. <laughs> it's a lot of tough jobs. All I'm saying is this: if you're an amazing teacher and you love doing it, God bless you. I think that that's dope. If you're somebody that hates your job, like I would tell anybody else, go do something else. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is, is that it shouldn't in this moment. It's not about that. It's about our kids. It is about our legacy. I'm, this ain't even a message for teachers. This is a message for black parents and black students. You Make go. sure you're getting what you need. Again, why are we putting our priorities are off? They're so off. If we if we worrying about the emotions and feelings of people with a career that college, can do other stuff, that got a college people. degree. That's right. And we talking about kids that grew up where the fuck I grew up at that That's are fucking right. bullets. You better say it. That are homeless.
1: You better that say are dying, it. dying. You better say it.
3: And I got to I got a cape for them. Come on. You, our priorities are off and I pray to God that I always have the courage to say that. If you a dope yeah, teacher and love what you right. God bless you. If you feel like you're doing somebody a favor, guess what? You ain't got to do it. Oh no, you I ain't got to
2: the, do it. Uh, just said to the match, to couple with what you just said, she's, she's teaching poorly a hard at all. No, <laughs> no. she's so right. You know, I'm so glad. She,
1: but you know what's hard? This is what's hard. What's hard is getting a hired to teach and not being able to do it and staying. Mm-hmm. And and knowing that you're gonna stay because now you're kind of roped into a profession and, hey. and you have to come up with a you have to come up with compensatory thinking of why you're you're sucking wind every year. You have to like, oh, it's the kids or it's the it's the community. How this turn into a teacher bashing thing bashing this, this, this is what's crazy. Bashing. Okay, see not see, let 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 see, <laughs> see 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 this is this is what your children do to you. <laughs> This love is what it. your children do to you, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah love it. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate that. Let me
3: Let me tell you something, That's right? Your children do like, this you. ain't, this ain't, I, listen, if you're an amazing teacher and you love what you do, and if you're a struggling no, teacher and you love what you, you, you do, but you you're trying to get better, God bless you. You got four black men here.
1: We have been the we have been everybody's problem in the last year. Charles, mm-hmm. Listen to the word he used even though. He said bashing, teacher bashing. Do you know what bashing is? Bashing you, is hitting you, you know me. what you it's know what? You have you. to be you have to be hella middle class to think criticizing your occupation is bashing. Why are you teacher bashing? You are like when the hell did I hit anybody? <laughs> I ain't hit nobody. That is the most middle class Feelings, all oh, my feelings, my feelings, you man. Know what? I get, I you get, know I get comments it. on my writing
3: almost every day. I, listen, bro, I get red pen through things that I write or work that I do, or like, hey, can you do this different? Can you do that? That's just a part of being a professional, man. What I'm saying is this: if you love your vocation and, and you win it, great, that's great. If you mm. don't, and if you then, love it and getting outcomes, Those absolutely, love and, and love look, it with and, outcomes, and, love and it and and outcomes. Here's, I, and here's I, what i I disavow.
2: You well, dis about he, that no, no, wait. no, no, no. It's all
3: good. Others. What what part do you disavow? What, about, yeah, what do you this
1: about? Please tell me what part
3: just you disavow. Do he don't disagree,
2: don't disagree with Narea thing you said. He just being a
0: contrarian.
1: He's about to say some pro teacher stuff. So let's hear it, bro. What you? Oh, gonna no, say? no,
0: no, not tonight. Not tonight. This is okay, a, okay.
3: nothing I said is anti teacher. You know why? Because really good teachers are like, yes, I want to be looked at. Yes, critique me. Yes, yes but those are few. Those are few. I mean, listen. Those are the few. That was an
0: picture. You know and that was a what? Al Bishir esque picture. Oh yeah, I mean he was, he was <laughs> very sure. all I about mean, yeah, that. That should be an outgoing song tonight, bro. Listen, right. we, y'all we, go, already, go, we go already, go already here on
3: Easter. <laughs> we might as well act up because <laughs> I'm after this, and all I'm doing is I'm gonna go enjoy a cigar after this or whatever. <laughs> I, I just don't want my office to smell like cigars, but. I'm enjoying you brothers. And what I'm saying, the reason why we started this podcast is because these are the conversations, fuck it, we, 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 let's just fall into it. These are the conversations we had when there were no cameras, when there were no recorders or whatever the case is. It's Easter. And I know Ray Ankrum. I know Ray Ankrum, the person at the under me, bottom left, <laughs> is not going to stand for nobody not giving his kids what's up to his bar in education. I fucking know it. Yeah. I understand it. And, and until we can have real conversations, this is the reason why I said we need our own private schools and our own private groups is because if we can't even have a real conversation about this, how are we going to really talk to a kid that's really struggling with how fast society is changing for them? That's a fact. Hmm. Yeah, that's a fact.
2: Yeah, only one thing in society ain't changing for them. <laughs> the, the anti-blackness that's been as consistent
0: exactly. as, as the sun. Exactly. So we went through this whole episode, right? And uh, during this check-in, what we didn't Episode and, about, and a half at this point. Yeah. Episode, I, I, I. But when we did,
1: a, uh, for the listeners and watchers, this is a bonus as hell. But go ahead.
0: If I fall asleep yeah. on camera, y'all know why. Like it's all right, though. Go I'm ahead. about to finish this whole bottle. Go ahead I'm with it. <laughs> so, Chris, you um I don't think that I don't the check-in from you, it was kind of haphazard, bro. And the reason why I say that is because we've gone through a whole week of testimony from folks. Uh In the uh, Derek Sherp, whatever the hell his name is, the cop who killed George Floyd's trial. Right. Because his name is not important. It's important for us to know that, number one, George Floyd is not on trial. That's the first thing. Right. And then the second thing is, you know, you have all these black folks that are experiencing all of this trauma, thinking about all the things that they could have done differently. To st- that, that could have been like a precursor to stopping this white man from killing this innocent black dude that should not have lost his life, right? And it was a trigger. All week was a trigger for me because I'm sitting and I'm looking at this black man that could have been my uncle, could have been my cousin, could have been my brother, could have been any- anybody that's close to me or whatever, right? And we out here, you know, debating about Charter versus Pope. Oh, man, fuck that. I don't care about that, man. I care about black people being able to live freely, being able to breathe, being able to tell these white folks, yo, you're killing me. Uh, Please get off of me, right? And, and being listened to. So that, that's what I want to talk about. That's the energy I'm on, man. Can we talk about that? And Chris,
1: what's up? I mean, like, um, let me just say this. If you've been watching Minneapolis for a long period of time, George Floyd is the one that the world knows about right now. But there were so many before him that should have been the ones that the world know know about that. I think for a large part of the community it's numbness. It's just being numb because we we had one police officer in a very similar situation get a medal from the police union afterwards, right? They literally mm-hmm. gave him a medal. Um, for killing uh, a black 17 year old shooting him in the back multiple times and lying and saying that he was facing him and that his life was threatened and whatnot. We've had some real, the, the one conviction that we've had of a police officer was a police officer who was a Somali police officer who shot a white woman. Mm-hmm. And be and and in that one case, that is the one case where the police officers union didn't put up any fight whatsoever to protect their so-called member, right? <laughs> So if you've seen this happen for generations, for period, for long periods of time or whatnot, there's a sense of you that's a little bit cynical about there's no justice coming out of this case. No. Like, it's hard for me to watch anything about it because honestly, I've already drawn a foredrawn conclusion that at, at the best outcome still won't be justice for the people. Nope. Now, if you look at where this happened at in the city of Minneapolis and look at the schools that are in any direction within blocks of the flashpoint where this happened in a city that is super white super college educated has beautiful houses and parks and trails and all that type of stuff when you talk about that dickens you know tale of two cities type of stuff i don't know if that's dickens don't get me started with the canon but i'm just gonna say like that whole tale of two two cities stuff or whatnot it couldn't be more profound than in good old liberal progressive minneapolis and it starts it starts early in the schools that's like when you say like this charter versus district stuff or whatnot doesn't you know, excite you as much right now. I think it, it always has to with us locally because there are some schools in that community that are started by people in the community and they're always under attack by the very white teachers union. Teachers union is 96% white, right? We have 4% black teachers in the whole state of Minnesota, right? And the school district itself is 70% something kids of color. And and it couldn't be more, the injustice in the schools and in the police system couldn't be more aligned and more alike. Chris, I would even add, though, right, and
3: Jawanza Kunjufu talks about this. He got a whole section called low teacher expectations. Here's 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 the reality, though. Right. And I agree. You didn't say nothing wrong. I think Ray has been on point. I think Sharif has been on point. I think we kind of on fire tonight, to be real with you. Here's the difference, bro. At Emory High School, I graduated in the top, what is it, 90th percentile. I mean, I performed better than 90 percent of the people in my same grade, right? Went to college or whatever. And I didn't know what a thesis was. And again, as long as they continue to lower the bar for our kids, bro, like you have to, black parents listening I don't again. And this is the thing. I know what it is. And I know I keep saying this, y'all, but bear with me. But the reason why I say it is because I talk to a lot of our listeners offline. Right. And I know they dealing with guilt. They dealing with like I didn't do what I was supposed to do, man. I used some drugs then or I I, man, I I, I was I went to jail, man, or I was a, I, I was a sex worker. Or I was this and I was that. And what that does is when we in these schools, it makes us feel like we crazy when we want to question something like who am I to question? Right. Because again, I I, you have to constantly question, man. And it's OK. Like I'm giving all of our listeners that need it. I know all of y'all don't, but I know some of y'all need it because you text me and we talk. Right. It is OK for you to ask and expect more from your school. It's OK to send that hamburger back, baby. You asked for it to be done a well a certain way and it wasn't. And and that this is this is less about teachers and teachers union. Listen, I'm not going to be mad at lions for eating gazelles. I'm not going to be mad at big fish for eating smaller fish. I just need you to know what the union does. This this is just what the union's job is. I have no feelings about it. Right. Because I understand what the role of unions are. This is not teacher bashing or union bashing. I'm not trying to whatever. What I'm saying is. What does your baby need? So like you have to freely go and do the work and figure out what is the state standard? What is reading level supposed Not, not for your black student, not for your black school. What is the fucking standard, right? Because they keep changing and lowering the bar for black kids for black kids. When our culture created Jay-Z, our culture created Beyonce, our culture created James Baldwin, our culture created a whole bunch of greatness that the world copies and follows. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. these are the only people that they make you feel ashamed because you got big lips and then Kylie Jenner goes and puts $10,000 in her lips and becomes a billionaire selling you products back to you for for big lips. You understand? Like, do you understand the manipulation and the mind fuck that's happening there? Like... When we talk about doing for self, you have to know self first. You have to know self first. I come from, I am a dusty, ashy little nigga boy, man. I'm going to just keep it all the way real with you. I come from nothing, from nothing. I I have so many people in my bloodline. I have killers in my bloodline, man. I have dope fiends in my bloodline. I have people that have good hearts in my bloodline. I have people that help settle Chicago and Indiana in my bloodline. I have people who was friends with Mamie Till and lived in that same neighborhood in my bloodline. But if you don't know what you come from, if you don't know our history, you're going to keep just being happy to be at the table. Fuck that. We we passed that. And that's what I'm saying, man. So, Ray, I feel you and I'm not mad at you for being like I disavow this. My point is you get to ask of high quality and value from anybody, black people. You get
0: to ask it of anybody when your kid is involved. Your kid I don't, is dependent I don't dis- about this. That's this, all I'm saying. This, I don't dis- about this. This is amazing. And folks that are listening, Charles is still ashy, right? I, I am, still not, am. I am well, not, I'm, not. I mean, I'm moisturized yeah. today, but, hey, I, I, but know I, know who I, I am. Shea Butter Ray is
3: who I am. Ray, I just want to tell you I know who I am and I know whose I am, good brother. That's all I'm there saying. <laughs> don't get me preaching on this. on this Ray. Sunday. I'll give you a
1: Um... And as we should have rapped a million times ago, but I'll say, no, um, just, like,
3: don't like, i want I, 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 right to, a shame, to say, right? you know,
1: I will make a point that, on what you just said, which is, um, I've talked about the million dollar kid that every black kid is like you take a black kid into a school system and you think about everybody's job, who it is to touch that child in one way or another. And you start adding up the cost to all those people. And sooner, sooner or later you have a, a million dollar child, but we act them broke. <laughs> We, we, we come to the schools feeling like somebody's giving us something, like, like we broke, not realizing that you putting your child in that school is giving people jobs all the way from big pharma, putting your kid on every kind of Ritalin and every kind of like whatnot, working with the schools to, you know, oh, you know he's hyperactive, he's this, that, and the other. The number of, of jobs and pensions and stock options that are associated with your child should have you walking in there like you walking in with a fur coat. You should be stepping up in there like you own the joint because there is nothing more profitable for American public education than an unlearning black child. Right. Right. There is like a black child is, is pay gold because with white children, you have to actually educate their asses and you don't like them very much. And you still have to educate them with black children. You get the money. And you get the the, the, the the pension and the job and everything. And you don't have to actually educate them because nobody believes they can learn. That's the best deal ever. Okay. So when you so when you are a, a black mom walking up with that child in your school, you better act like that child is a million dollar check and act like you wearing furs because that child is so valuable. Just in the way that black head count has always been valuable to the system in the United States, it still is today, but there's no place where it's more prevalent than it is for children in American public schools. That headcount, that, what do you call it, Ray? Average daily uh, attendance or something like that? uh, Per pupil No, it's average daily membership attendance, something uh, like that. Meaning like you get your money based upon what that average daily, you know, uh, number of is. Lease to your house if your kids don't show up for a few days. That's right. There are some places in some cities where they do not enforce the truancy laws except for at the beginning of the year so that they get your headcount through the door and then once your head count is done through the rest of the year you don't even have to show up
0: they don't even care about you oh beds so, uh, was called what is it beds b d s mm. that's the day that uh that uh that that, that
1: they that, do the count that they do the count They do the count. So anyways, don't act like you broke or like you poor, you ashy or you come from nothing. I mean, you might be ashy. Like, listen, there, you know, and that is a crime (laughs) in the Negro Proverbs. Thou shalt not be ashy.
0: When you do do get lotion, right? For those out there, and I'm not talking about Charles, I'm just talking about in general. If you ashy and you get lotion, the first thing you go for elbows and the kneecaps, right?
3: right 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 acting like he don't I'm, see this I'm skin right I'm here you so much more enlightened now light? you see, see the skin you see the skin absorbing light don't don't play me bro
1: so Tanae <laughs> hamilton Tanae <laughs> hamilton says it's adp just for the record i don't know what the uh is it average daily participation so Tanae hamilton thank you very much for putting it uh in there <laughs> i appreciate oh, that bro. Um, um
3: and, you, and that's anyways, why you so need so a cool. note that's why your teachers are always so adamant we need a note if you
1: were out you have to that- don't be here. Deep. Yes. but the You don't have like to learn, deep. though. That's right. right, You don't exactly. have to learn. You just have to be here. So you know all that stuff about you being somewhere else during the day? Like Chris, um, you better close us out or you're going to get another yeah, hour, no, bro, because so so we so all
3: cool. motivated, bro, and Sharif needs to go oh, to uh, bed. Sharif is not motivated. Sharif, Sharif
1: needs to go to bed. Sharif, all right, well, listen. I don't see Sharif get 20 more gray hairs in the middle of this conversation. Uh um listen, y'all. Like, this has been a powerful show. <laughs> actually, I actually like I feel charged up. I'm ready for tomorrow. I'm ready for the week now. Mm-hmm. So so uh so, cool. so people watching, y'all better watch out for me this week, you know.
0: Charles, Charles. So cool. Re- Reef is like, well, damn, how am I gonna go coach teachers now? We got them <laughs> on here bash. I'm not listen
3: and listen, I just want to make clear because no teachers were bashed.
1: We're about
3: We're
2: about high expectations, we're about we're about all that. Like I mean. Like, I mean, we we that's the whole thing. This is all about raising the bar and accountability (laughs) to children, to the communities and to the collectives. I said
3: social workers, I said the firefighters, if you don't want to do the job no more, go do something else. I I, Listen, I'm not a social worker today. I wanted to go do something else and I did. Uh Uh-uh. Like you grown? Ain't nobody putting a fucking gun in your yeah. head t- Let's end the show, Chris.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. so, so yeah, this deter the folks. This is, like folks, the revolution, um, this you is what the I'm going to say to my people listening and watching the Eight Black Hands. This has been uh episode 109 because we care about y'all. We keep doing this, and we do it week to week to week to week. We have um we have a vested interest in this show growing and doing better. So what you can do to help us, since we don't charge you for the beauty of this work that we are doing especially mine like my my voice actually particularly like is amazing so um <laughs> so anyways um Josh put that so, picture back <laughs> up too like that, that's how we should you know termination show if one so, what? That's so you song? can go to charles uh to his instagram and get one of his my love language is is uh self uh, i got two of them Jones, for me and right? my daughter um, oh you did can go you go to um Great. You go to citizenstewart uh, and go to the store, and I have a plethora of of merch that you might be able to get. Um you can join the A Black tomorrow. Ray will you have do. something up tomorrow. We got it. Ray, Ray hey, Ray's going to have, have, have something really up.
0: tomorrow. On my that I'm supposed to be getting for Reef three weeks ago. Anyways, Um, and With the, the food program
1: breakfast program. You, oh right, 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 I got you. You, you, okay see we trade and making <laughs> deals right on here this is the blackest part of the show right now so um so anyways you can join our patreon which charles where's our patreon patreon
3: is at patreon.com slash a black
1: hands a b h so, Patreon. We have been growing, growing a movement. Yeah. That's right. I want to give a shout out to our current uh, Patreon members who have been putting up with us for a long time. We have been doing things like uh, a book club here and there. Charles has done some some teachings and some learnings in there. We are going to be doing more work in there. That is always the promise of the Patreons. Uh, you know shout out to the Patreons who are leading book clubs do this. too. Chris, you did such a good show tonight too.
3: and I'm always motivated on Resurrection Sunday. So I have the early copies of the audio book is done. Audible has it or whatever, and they'll release it whenever they release it. But I'm going to go put the full audio book for free in the Patreon. I will do that tonight. So if you a Patreon member, you will have early access to the
1: audiobook book uh, of Beyond Grit and Resilience. There you go. Uh, And uh, my book is not there because it's not done yet. So um, uh, we're going to be working on that. Uh, What I want for people to do is to support uh, brothers that are trying to do good things. So send Ray some good vibes on finishing his dissertation so that he becomes Dr. Ray. And we have double the headache on this show. Um, (laughs) Actually support Sharif Meki with his Center for Black Educator Development, uh, um, because that is important. It's an important part of the puzzle go and look at the work that Charles is doing with youth and think about whether it's something that should be in your city, because I can guarantee you that it should be in your city. What I want to say as a last message to everybody watching, there is nobody too poor watching this right now to be a philanthropist in your own right. There's like there are eight million black children that we could save and, and, and serve and help. When Charles talk about out of school time things, those are sometimes things that can be done for our kids that don't cost a lot of money. Or even if they cost a few dollars here and there, there's some one locally, that you can donate to to help that make a possibility. So let's start putting some some money where we where our mouths are. Like, let's stop talking all this woke, you know, hashtaggy uh, internet type of stuff, and let's actually start building something that lasts, like lasting uh, opportunities for our kids. This has been another episode of the Eight Black Hands.
0: Where is up, up, to up the DMX, aka Earl Simmons or Earl Simmons. Yeah, man.
3: DMX. DMX man, absolutely, man. I. That dude meant so much to me. Just don't say in the past tense, brother. Nah, he he means so much to me, but I'm yeah. just saying, he got me through like, it's dark and hell is hot, got me through some really rough times as a young person, man. So, pull it through. It's one of the best books. I've, his autobiography is one of the best books I've ever read. And if you read that autobiography, you're not surprised about where we are today. Um, yeah, man. It's,
1: it's, think, you know what? And I think, honestly, Charles, I think you should do a show on it because um, people know the end result of DMX. They don't know what he came through and well, what he came, he, came he came through so It's amazing. His story is amazing. I'm going I'm to just tell you real quick, Chris. I know you've been trying to close. <laughs> <laughs> it's Easter.
3: It's Easter. So you, you made me do a show on Easter, so you got to deal with us. Um, <laughs> what happened was is the person that had introduced him to rapping, um, and got him rapping. Uh, he he he. You know he was smoking in front of him, and he he offered and to me he was fourteen years old, fifteen years old. He didn't smoke, mm-hmm. do anything, and he did. He built a grimy. If you don't know what a grimy is, a grimy is a weed blunt <laughs> that has <crack> in it. <laughs> Yep. And he put that in there, and you know, and Dmx has suffered with addiction since then, since he was a teenager in school, um, and he went to the same high school as. Jay-Z, it's like crazy people that went. I think I think Big Pun went to this high school. They, it's like the most creative high school that ever uh, lived. They didn't learn much about ABCs, but all them cats learned how to rap. But uh, I love DMX, man. I love his truth, and I hope he pulls through. And, uh, you know, I didn't mean to st- step on your, your thing, Ray. I just, I'm a oh, big DMX I fan. I don't
0: think Jay-Z
3: went to that high school. Now, nah, him, Jay Z and Dmx grew up in the same place. They used to battle each other early on in their careers. Like they he young, actually,
1: um, so so people should go and look at his story because he had multiple brushes with being able to lead a regular life, right? And his his talent was seen by a few key educators in his life. He just never was in one place long enough for it to take hold. So when Charles talks about at fourteen what happened, to him, right? You know, he wasn't impressionable. Um, person at 14 and, and, then, and read and, who else yeah. went to that high school, right? Just read, looked, read that I high school, it's
3: looked,
0: crazy. Like Rock and roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> read that, read, read the people that went to that high school, that same high school. I see Jay Z, I see Buster Rhymes, I see Biggie, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. DMX. Um, and this wasn't like a art and music magnet, this so, is just... uh, it was called George Westinghouse Career and Technical uh, Education High School in downtown Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. The reason why the reason why I I, I, I would have been oppositional is because I know he's from Yonkers. He's well, from Yonkers part of it is just because you're oppositional. The second part
1: is you, you knew where he was. Wait <laughs> a second now. Is Nicole Johnson from Oakland? Yes. Well, she's from the Bay. Nicole. Nicole's Nicole. I've been out of Oakland so long and I know what a Grimy is. Nicole says, I thought that was called a doobie. I don't know if
2: yeah, like, I think they call different things and no, no, different no, 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 no. Just no, no. Doobies, out, doobies, it's just it's just doobies is just weed. Doobies is just
3: weed and blunts. It's, it's just is right. just weed. It's a grimmy Yeah, a grimmy is. Um, is a
1: crack, it's a crack joint. It's
3: weed it is, with crack sprinkle right. it. It's weed right. with a crack kicker. Okay. Yes. That's what it is. It's uh, y'all
1: gonna learn today. People watching tonight, you getting the bonus bonus. You're gonna well, learn you know, tonight. Again, my second <laughs> book is called Crack Baby Residue. So I mean, uh, this is try to we tried in. to get him to change that people. I'm never changing it. I, I am uh, <laughs> we
0: tried to get him to change that. Has, everybody thing. has
1: tried to get him to change that. Yo, y'all yeah. have no idea. I have to go to such a place. To write that
3: book. Like I go out to the um when I'm in Oakland, I go to the shelters I grew up in. When I'm in Chicago, I grow, I go back to Maywood and the old neighborhoods or whatever. And I'm gonna take a trip to Kentucky, uh, to where I live there and my grandmother's uh, you know, her her tombstone, and I'm gonna just write, bruh. Like I gotta go to a place to write this book, but Crack Baby Residue will be out uh before the end of the year.
0: Yeah, you could have called
3: it Iran Contra. I I like Crack Baby Residue, CBR, baby. I got, I got, I got, I got playlists and everything. It's every chapter is is a song. So Mm -hmm. every chapter is from a song that played a part of that time. And DMX is in there a lot. Like I have like two or three DMX like song chapters. So it's, it's, I got to go to a place, man. Y'all ain't heard from me in like weeks and weeks. Like, I have to go to a He's place writing. to write it. This this is not an yeah. academic book. The first book was academic. This is a very uh real uh popular book. So it's gonna be interesting. So
1: so my book uh called uh uh my book, uh, uh old old English
0: 40 uh residue <laughs>
1: will be out <laughs> next year <too. laughs> That'll be out next year. So.
0: so Charles got his book coming out. We actually yeah. have the uh the skeleton for the eight black hands book, but you know. Balls get dropped. It's coming. It's coming, y'all. So, anyways,
1: you have been listening <laughs> been messy, to <laughs> So, go ahead. Because uh, I, I just want people to know, like, listen, taking us all the way back to the beginning, <laughs> just if you've been watching this for a long time, this is how this show started. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> how the show started. We were having these kind of conversations on Zoom. I think it was Zoom. I think before that it was
2: just on the phone,
1: right? Just it was on yeah. the phone, it was in person, it was a lot of stuff. And and it would go just like this, it would go just like this. And 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 uh, uh, anyways, it became a show. So this is you got tonight, you got you got the after party show along with the regular show, and didn't even know it. I finished uh, the whole bottle of Shiraz, bro. <laughs>
0: there it is. And it, it looks like it's smoking and breathing and all kind of shit happening. And we are talking of, about it as if it's not a problem. <laughs> we saying it's time. like it's not a problem, <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> right?
1: right? The rooster's about to call reef. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right,
0: y'all. Y'all <laughs> have a good one. Go on. 5 30
2: a.m. Salat. I got to go to all bed. Right. Peace, all y'all.
0: Right, y'all. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El and Stewart. If
2: you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Eight Black Hands One.
1: Thank you for listening.